seated. Thank you for that. Man, it's so humbling to be here with you. Um, let me just start by saying, because I know a lot of you are from Springfield, and uh, maybe you're in this place where you're looking for a church, and I, I, don't, I don't always say this, so don't think like, oh, that's just what he's supposed to say, but this just seems to me like a really amazing church. I, I, my wife and I, who's here front row, she loves attention, so everybody look at her, there she is. Uh, she... <laughs> We, we have been hosted so well by this place, and um, I, I want to start, I'm going I'm to talk about Jesus the whole time, but I'm going to start by talking about me, uh, because we're getting to know each other, and, and um, I was raised in a, a small town, I was raised in church, man, my, both my parents, my parents went to separate churches, now, I didn't even know that was weird until I left home, but every Sunday they went to separate churches. I, would, I was like Catholic church, like on the video. Uh, I went to a Catholic school for nine years, uh, Baptist youth group, Lutheran church. My mom was Lutheran, so we'd go to one church, and I'd go to the other church. I had church on Fridays with school. I was, I was, I was, I was churched, man. Lots of church. And, and if you look at my high school years, I would describe those as an identity crisis, and a lot of people say, oh, that's everyone in high school. You know, I, you have no identity. You're in high school. You know, that's just the way it works. But, but for me, like, I, I was in 4-H and FFA. Do you all have those? You guys know what those are? Yeah. I, I was in band, percussion, you know, drums. And uh, I, showed, I showed in 4-H and FFA hogs, chickens, rabbits, sheep, and steers. Like, I grew up on a farm. My dad was a cattle rancher. I was opening gates every Saturday for him. And, but then, so the identity crisis, so first tattoo at 14, both ears pierced, did drugs, sold drugs, drove a 1979 Mercedes-Benz with hydraulics, said Superfly on the back, okay? Uh, always found identity in relationships with girls. And I came to places like this. Like, like I went to, I was in this youth group and we would go to, to places with amazing worship and, and you know, better teachers than, than me. Tomorrow you're going to hear from my closest friend in the world and, and I promise you he's going to move you, the Holy Spirit through him is going to move you closer to Jesus. But, but better speakers than me were there and, and I would respond, they would say, hey, if you want to follow Jesus, come forward. And usually because some cute girl was watching me, I would come forward and because I loved attention, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm in, you know, I want to follow Jesus. But it didn't take, it didn't take because I would leave there and, and I would go back to my materialism, back to my pornography back to my sexual sin, back to seeking the approval of everyone else, back to desperately needing attention. It, it didn't take. I, it's like I could go halfway in with Jesus, but I couldn't go all the way in with Jesus. And then I went to college and now I had all of the freedom that goes with someone being in college. But, but I lacked the maturity and the integrity so I could do whatever I wanted to do. And I did it. I remember the first nine days of college. I broke every rule that I had set for myself. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to have sex. I'm not going to do drugs. I'm not going to get drunk. You know, and, and it was like 
epic proportions, I broke all of those things. I remember saying my prayers one night like I always did. And, and I'm there, I'm talking to God like I did every night. And in my twin size bed, in my on-campus apartment, I began to weep hysterically. No one else was there. But I mean, I mean violently shake, crying, like, <laughs> like hyperventilating, crying, talking to God. Because I was like, he doesn't hear me. My prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. I had been so exposed to Christianity, but it didn't take. I, I want to talk with you for just the few minutes we have about what keeps us from going all in with Jesus. Like maybe you're in this place where you've read some Bible stories, you've been exposed to church, but if you look at your life right now, there's aspects of your life that do not reflect you going all in with the gospel. Maybe you've never seen in your entire life someone go all in with the gospel. There, there's nearly 700 of you here, and I can't imagine a better outcome of the next 48 hours than everyone just say, I, you know, me, I don't care if I'm Noah. Like, I'm the only one in the world. It's never rained, and God says, build a boat. I'm going to build a boat. I'm going to be weird for Jesus, like all in, crazy for Jesus, like whatever that takes, I'm 100 for Jesus. Like that's the outcome? Like I'm like, man, Lord, do it. Would you do it? Would you please do it? Because I sense that some of us here tonight, we have one foot in the world and one foot in church, and we have so much so much world that we can't really enjoy church. Like we're in church, but we're thinking about Friday and what we're going to do this weekend and who said what and, and checking social media and how many likes do I have and do they like me and what about him and how do I get his attention and her affection and you can't even really enjoy church because you got so much world. But then you got so much church, just enough Jesus to not really enjoy the world. Hey, you want to go get drunk tonight? Hey, let's take some shot. You want vape, whatever. And, and you, you, you're like, hell, I'll do it, but I'm going to feel bad about it. I mean, y'all, yeah, I'll call him back at two in the morning. I, kn I know he's had too much to drink, but I'm so desperate for his attention. And yeah, I said some things to her to get her to like me. And sure, you know, when I lay down at night by myself, I know I'm just manipulative. And I feel bad about it because I got some Jesus. And what keeps you from just saying, I'm done? I'm new. I'm changed. I'm different. I'm going to look at my favorite story other than the gospel in the scripture. It's in Luke 18. If you have Bibles, you can turn there. It's a story affectionately called The Rich Young Ruler. It's about a man. I'm going to explain it to you as we read the text. And really what I want to look at is three things that keeps this guy from going all in with Jesus, which are the same three things that I think keep us today, 2000, in, in the 2020s, 2022, from going all in with Jesus. This story appears in the Gospels three times in, in Mark 10 and in Matthew 19. 
and here in Luke 18. And, and if you've been in church long and you think about the rich young ruler, you might be tempted to think he's like a Pharisee or a Sadducee or a tax collector. You, you put these character traits on him. This dude would be like Sadie Robertson, okay? Like everybody's looking at him, oh, like he really follows Jesus. Uh, or, or better said, in a Jewish context, he really follows Yahweh. He knows God. Uh, for the guys, I would say he's kind of like Tim Tebow. Like he's a guy that's speaking at conferences. He, he's, he's successful. He's got worldly wealth, but he's involved in the church. And everybody knows him for his spirituality. That's this guy. And he's going to come up to Jesus and be face to face with God incarnate. And he's going to have a dialogue with him that we can learn a lot from. Let's look at it, Luke 18. A certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That ruler is the rich young one. Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. Now, if you know anything about the gospel and anything about church, that's one of the strangest dialogues in the scripture. Because he comes up to Jesus and says, how do I get to heaven? And if you're an evangelist, this is the question you have been waiting your whole life for. You're like, oh, 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 oh man, do I go bridge illustration, one through ten questions, like, and three circles? Like, how do you want it? You know, I'm ready. You, you, want, you want Romans Road, what do you want? But that's not what Jesus, Jesus goes, why do you call me good? Which is like, we read it, and we're like, Jesus, he calls you good because you're God. But Jesus is going after his idols, just like he's going to do with you over the next few minutes. See, this guy is someone that thinks people can be good. The word that he uses for good is agathos in the Greek. He's not saying uh, rabbi who teaches well. He's saying intrinsically good person who teaches. Perfect man who teaches. How do I get to heaven? And Jesus says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why do you call me good? And it's essentially because he thinks people can be good. And that's why Jesus goes where he goes, what do you have to do? You need to keep the law perfectly. And this is where the guy should say, oh man, I have tried. I have tried and failed over and over. That's not what he says though. He says, oh, keep the law perfectly. Everybody's watching. I have since I was a child. Perfect attendance in Sunday school. Mom and dad both believers. Grandparents were believers. A whole legacy of believers. Yeah, I, I go to church faithfully. Uh, I, I have saved myself for marriage. I don't watch R-rated movies unless it's the passion. I don't even listen to secular music. You know, I, it's, it's only Christian music on the radio, Jesus. I have kept the rules. The first thing I want you to know is that self-reliance will keep you from going all in with Jesus. This is for the Enneagram ones in the room, those of you that are trying so hard and wearing yourself out. The way that I would say it here, my first point is following Jesus is greater than following rules. Following Jesus is greater than following the rules. The rules are the do's and don'ts of Christianity. A lot of you have taken your relationship with God and tried to, to dumb it down simply to rules. And that's this guy. Jesus says, what must you do? you got to keep the rules, which is a weird response. Why didn't he say, 
here's what you need to do, man. Uh, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to die for your sins. I'm going to go in the tomb three days. I'm going to raise from the dead. Trust in me, my work, and you'll inherit eternal life. Why didn't Jesus say that? He says, what do I got to do to get into heaven? And Jesus says, keep the law perfectly. Can you get into heaven by keeping the law perfectly? What would you say? Can you get into heaven by keeping the law perfectly? And, and, and everyone probably says, no. I mean, one of you said it, but I mean, <laughs> everyone was thinking it. You actually can. You actually can. Not, not meaning to put you on blast. <laughs> and and bef amazing, Pastor Eddie, front, before you charge the stage, right, let me just say this. Can you keep the law perfectly and now your cue that's right that's right Jesus is answering his question what must I do what must you do be perfect and this is where you should say but I can't be perfect I need a perfect savior but he says oh be I am I, you, you'll never realize your need for a savior by seeking to get to him by following all the rules because he, he wants your relation. He wants a relationship with you. God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, actually wants to know you. And if you're like, how do I know that he wants to know me? Like, he's gone through the greatest length ever. He allowed his son to die for you. I have a son. I love you, right? Even though I don't know you, as a brother in Christ, I love you, but I'm not going to let my son die for you, right? And God says, this is how much I love you. I will let my one and only son die for you. I want a relationship with you, right? Thinking that you can get to heaven by following all the rules is just like thinking that you've done something bad enough to keep you out of heaven. Those two people, the super, super righteous and the super, super wicked, are like one and the same. Because one says, oh, I'm going to work my way up to God, and the other says, it's no use, I'm not good enough to get to God. And I actually think that second category is closer to the kingdom than potentially the first, if that even makes sense. I'm in the gym, and um, I go there every now and then, rare, on rare occasions. I'm actually allergic to the gym because when, when I go there the next day, I'm always sore. And, um, and, and when I'm there, I'm always out of breath, so I think I have an allergy. But... Um, I'm in the gym, and I, and I bump into this guy. We'll call him Pablo. Pablo, big dude, he knows where the gym is, okay? Like, bald, he's a rough-looking guy, you know, just kind of swolled up. Uh, looks like he ate a school bus for breakfast, kind of just, just yoked out of his mind, bald head. And he's walking around all like this in the gym. And I'm like, what's up, Pablo? We're talking. And, and, uh, and I just, and I begin, I'm going to share the gospel with him. And, and so the way that I do that in, in the South is I ask two questions known as the Kennedy questions. And I'll ask you these two questions tonight. Between one and ten, ten being certain, one being not so sure, Pablo, if, if you died today, how certain are you that you would go to heaven? Between ten is I'm certain, right? Like I'm 100% positive. One is I'm not so certain, right? Five is like, well, I'm pretty, I, I'm, I'm not sure. Seven is I'm pretty certain. Like, where, where would you be? I'm asking him this question. And, and in fact, let me just ask you guys this question. Would you think of a number 
between 1 and 10. How certain, if you died today, like if we don't make it out of this room, how certain are you tonight that you would wake up in the presence of God? Think of a number between 1 and 10, like get a number. I'm going to pick it like a magic trick. No, I'm kidding. But no, get a, get a number in your mind, everyone. You got it? Give me a good head nod. Like, all right, I got my number. Okay, no, no point fives or anything, just kind of round to, a, to the closest number. Would you do, do me this favor? Because I just want to understand who I'm talking to, okay? So what I'm going to do, I'm going to have everybody close their eyes. Everybody close their eyes, okay? So, okay, yeah, there you go. Everybody's eyes are closed. Nobody's looking at me. I'm looking at you, okay? I may bring you up if your eyes are open. If, if, you're, if your number is, is one to five, would you raise your hand? You came here. Yeah, several of you, one to five. Okay, thanks for raising your hand. There you go. I see you. All right, now if it, your number is six, seven, or eight, would you raise your hand? Okay, I'm a six, seven, or eight. Yep, I see you. Lots of hands. All right, and then if you are a nine, would you raise your hand? You're like, I'm, I'm almost there. Like, I'm a nine. I'm a solid nine. Okay, there's some nines in the room too. All right, open your eyes. Come back with me. So I asked Pablo this question between one and ten, ten being certain, one being not so sure. If you died today, how certain are you that you would go to heaven? We're in the gym, Pablo's big, all tatted up. He's got tattoos in his, in his you know, in his, uh, what am I trying to say, on the top of his head. In the place of hair, he's got tattoos. And, and he says, I'm a two. And I said, the second question, well, if you stood before God and he said, why should I let you in, what would you say? And he looks at me and it gets real serious. And he goes, oh, I've just, I've done some things. He goes, I've done some things. He, he goes, man, I, I am not getting in, JP. I've done some things. And I'm, I'm an evangelist. You know, that's what I do for a living. So I'm ready for this because I'm going to go Apostle Paul on him. Like Apostle Paul, right, he like killed women and children. Like he was a terrorist, like ISIS, you know. And, and so, I'm, I, so I'm there and I'm ready, right? And I go, well, let me ask you a question, Pablo. How many people have you killed? And he looks at me and he goes, and I was like, whoa, man, you've done some things. Let me back up, you know, like, wow, okay, all right, next level. And I just tell him, that's why Jesus died, because you've done some things. That was a payment, right? Jesus paid for your sins on the cross. Like, don't, don't you get it? Everyone that just raised their hands, listen closely. The only thing that you can do in hell, there's only one agenda item in hell. You pay for your sins forever. And so the only person who doesn't go to hell is the person whose sins have been paid for. That's what Jesus did on the cross. He paid for your sins. Right? And, and you just, you, you believe that. The strange thing about Christianity is for this guy, if he's talking to the one who's about to pay for his sins, the sacrificial lamb, the one and done, he came to the earth to save him to himself, to offer him eternal life. That's who he's having a conversation with. It's like if, if I give you tickets to the Chiefs game. Great seats, 50-yard lines. Okay, 50-yard line. I give, you, I give you some tickets. Here they are. Here you are. They're a gift, right? They're for you. And you go over to Arrowhead Stadium, right? And they stop you as you're going, and they stop you and say, whoa, 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 whoa. Why should we let you in? 
what are you going to say? Because I have tickets. I got tickets. Man, let me in. I got tickets. And if they say, did you pay for the tickets? You can say, no, they were a gift. Somebody gave them to me. Somebody else paid for them. Now, I don't think we literally have this conversation with God who knows everything. But if we hypothetically did, and he says, why should I let you in? We would simply say, God, you paid my way in through your son, Jesus Christ. That's all I've got. That's all I've got. You paid my way in. It's important where this falls here in Luke because what just happened is it says in in verse 15, it says that people were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. And when the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. And Jesus called the children to him and said, let the little children come to me and, and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. You, the way you get to heaven is you receive it like a gift. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. We, we get to to God by coming to Jesus. Like, I have nothing to offer, but you offered everything on my behalf. And that's the gospel. Where are you trusting in yourself instead of Jesus? We'll go back in the story. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then... Come follow me. Like, I read this for a long time. I would read this story like Jesus is just punking this guy. Like, there they are. It's a standoff. It's the rich young ruler. It's Jesus face to face. You know, the rich young ruler is like, hey, what do I got to do to get in heaven? Jesus is like, be good. Rich young ruler is like, I am good. And Jesus is like, ha, ha, you think you're good. The disciples are over here. He's like, hey, guys, watch this, okay? Dude, dude thinks he's good. Watch this. All right, good man. Um, here's the deal. All you need to do, you want eternal life? All you need to do, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and follow me. Watch this, guys. Watch this. Watch this. Are you sad? You look sad. Let me guess, you got some stuff. You're rich, huh? (laughs) Okay, right? That's kind of how I always read that story. But Mark adds a detail in there that I love. In Mark 10, he says, Teacher, he declared all these things I've kept since I was a boy. He says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. He had compassion on him. No, 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 no. Don't do this, man. I'm telling you, there's nothing in the world that is worth holding you back. Follow me, man. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Sometimes you'll hear it's like the eye of a needle is a gate in Jerusalem and camels would have to get on their knees. Like, no, no, no. The eye of, the, the eye of a needle is a tiny little hole on the top of a needle that you put thread through. And a camel is a really large animal. 
He's like saying it would be easier to beat LeBron James one-on-one. He's speaking in hyperbole. And that's why they said in verse 26, those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? They're like, whoa, if he's not getting it, you've got to remember the context of this. Is this a Sadie Robertson? And Jesus is like, you're not going to get in. Tim Tebow, you're not getting in. And they're like, whoa, hold on. If Sadie's not getting in, like she loves, you haven't heard her. She loves Jesus. If she's not getting in, then who's not, who's going to get in? It's like he's saying, it's like we changed the conversation. He says, hey, what do I got to do to get into heaven? He says, you want to get into heaven? You got to be fast. And they said, well, how fast do I have to be? And he goes, you know Usain Bolt? Like, yeah, he's not fast enough. And they're like, whoa. Well, who then can be saved? That's, that's the, the narrative. That's the story that's happening. And this is why Jesus says, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Listen, none of you, not one of you, no one in this room tonight is good enough to get into heaven. None of you, like not the person who went on 16 mission trips and, and adopted 20 orphans and saved kittens from burning buildings, right? You're not good enough to get into heaven. You can't stand before God and present your resume. You better point to Jesus' resume. His GPA is a whole lot better than yours. That's all you got. And suddenly your heart begins to grow grateful for the sacrifice, the one who paid your way in. So what keeps you from going all in? This is the big one. Worldliness. Worldliness keeps you from going all in. And so my second point is that following Jesus means foregoing the world. This is a tough one to swallow. You don't hear this a lot, right? Following Jesus means foregoing the world, like letting go of it, like not being owned by it. There are these things that you'll hold on to that will hold you back. What are they? Like, you got to know Jesus is going to go after your idols. What are your idols tonight? Is it a relationship? Is it followers? Is it addiction? Is it self-righteousness? What are you holding on to? Like, you know right now, like, man, this thing in my life is keeping me from being everything that God wants me to be. But holding on to something that's holding you back is stupid. It's ridiculous. Like, it's a great time right now to say, I'm letting it go. Like, I'm not, I'm no longer going to be owned by this. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? I have conversations at the front of stages often, and people will come up and, you know, they're like, man, I just don't know, you know, like, I, I want to go all in. I'm trying, but what do I, I don't, I just like, you know, and I'm, I'm in this relationship, and I'm like, oh, you're in a relationship. And, and I'm like, hey, you know, you, 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 are y'all having sex? Oh, yeah, man, yeah, yeah, no, we had sex, yeah, we're doing, like, like, often, yeah, yeah, pretty often, I don't know, what do you think, yeah, often, all right, well, what if you just stopped? Yeah, I'm not gonna do that, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know, I don't think I can, 
you know, and they come up and, you know, something else. Oh, man, my struggle is real similar to yours. No, you're looking at porn? Yeah, no, I'm struggling with porn. Oh, where is the porn? How do you access? Oh, you know, my phone. What kind, like, what kind of phone you got? Android or one of those guys? Or you got an iPhone? What is oh, Yeah, an iPhone, iPhone. Oh, okay. Right, where's your iPhone? Oh, it's in my pocket. Oh, I thought you said you were struggling. I am, I'm struggling. No, you're not. You're carrying it with you in your pocket everywhere you go. You hadn't even started to struggle. You hadn't even started. He says, gouge out your eye, cut off your hand, Matthew 5. Like, what are you talking about? You haven't even begun to struggle. What do you want me to do? Get rid of my phone? That or sell everything you have, give it to the poor and follow him. It's up to you, man. You, you think God wants me to get rid of my phone? Sure, God doesn't care if you have a phone or not. Get a brick phone. Get like a Motorola Razor. Like nobody's looking at porn on that. It's all grainy and stuff, you know. What are you talking? Like, like get a, you could get a different phone, you know. Right? But we're like, no, I don't, I don't want to give up these things, you know. Following Jesus is going to cost you something. But not following Jesus will cost you everything. He's saying, hey, follow me. He's saying, follow me. There's this video I watch on, uh, on YouTube. I, I was like, I don't know why. It just entertains me. And it's, uh, you can watch it. It's out there for you to watch too. It's, it's called How to Kill a Baboon, which I know sounds violent, but it actually like cuts off before any killing happens. Um, so it's really like How to Catch a Baboon is, is a, be a better title. But uh, it, it takes place like in the African jungle and there's, there's you know, baboons there and there's this guy, he's kind of like this native kind of character and, and he, he comes up and there's these termite mounds. And a termite mound, I've learned a lot, like termite mounds are like concrete mounds, right? And, and he drills this hole in the termite mound and the baboon is right there watching him. He's in the trees watching him do all of this and he drills a hole in the, in the termite mound and he has this little silver trinket and he places it inside the hole and then he walks away. Well, evidently what I learned is that baboons, they're really curious animals. And, and so as soon as he walks away, the baboon comes down the tree. You see all of this and he, and he puts his hand up in, in, the, in the hole in the termite mound. He grabs the silver trinket, but he can't get his hand out. And he's and he just like, he's stuck because he's holding on to the thing. He can get his hand in, but he can't get his fist out, you know? And so then the guy begins to walk up, approach the baboon, and he just starts squealing and screeching and yelling and, may, and flipping. And he's like going to rip his arm off. Like, it's crazy. Like, he's just going. And the guy just comes up and calmly puts an, a, a rope around his neck and pulls his hand out and leads him off to captivity. And I thought, what a picture of what Satan wants to do with your life. Like, like, you're like, you're like, you're here on a Friday. You're like, Jesus, I want to follow you. Hands raised. I'll sing songs. And Satan says, yeah, but you're still holding on to that thing. I gotcha. I gotcha. I'll, I'll take you and keep you in captivity. You're mine. You're not his. You're mine. And that's the war that we sit in. I wrestle with this stuff. I look back on my life when I went into vocational ministry. I, I left the high-rise condo, you know, the, the, the penthouse and the Jaguar and, and all the things. 
And I went into ministry, and we were poor. We were so poor. And it was so uncomfortable, but it was like there was no question in my heart. I love Jesus. And then, like, book deals come and speaking opportunities. And then I'm like, it's like a heart check. I'm like, why am I doing this? Is it for me or is it for God? You know, I don't know. And, and then, just as a test of the heart, we, we moved to a small church in a field in the country. And I just, I, every now and then, I just have to test my heart. Like, why am I doing this? God, am I all in with you? Peter said to him, verse 28, Peter said to him, we, we have left all we had to follow you. We've done what you asked him to do. Jesus, we left it all. And Jesus says back, he's like, come on, Peter. Truly, I tell you, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. He says, you don't understand, guys. You haven't left anything. I've taken it. I've multiplied it. I've placed it in front of you. You're walking toward it forever. When you follow me, you're walking toward your heart's greatest desire forever and ever and ever and ever. And I think we have these weird conversations with God. Like, yeah, but nobody's asked me out. You know, it's like, he's like, what? You know, I mean, it's like the conversation that has never happened. You get to heaven, like, say, you kept me single down there, man. I never even had sex. And God's like, no, man. All this is yours forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. I think we're so focused on the cost that we forget the benefit. What's going to keep you from going all in with Jesus is not realizing what you gain. It's not all cost. Like, like the greatest of, of all benefits come to us from following Jesus, which is more of Jesus, which we don't even realize how good that is. And in, in, in our lack of maturity... We don't understand how good Jesus is. And some of us are like, you know what? I'd rather just have someone ask me out. I'd rather just be liked by humans. Forget God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. So my third and final point is those who follow Jesus finish well. We finish well because we finish with God forever and ever and ever and ever. A hundred years from now, where are we? Where are we? We're in heaven, in the presence of God. Okay, a thousand years from now, where are we? Okay, heaven with God. Okay, what about a million years from now? We're in heaven still, awesome. How about a hundred billion years from now? We're still in heaven with God forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Now, how many of you, here tonight, about 700 of you, how many of you could come up here, and I'm going to get you a microphone, and you can give a presentation on your great-great-grandfather. Not your grandfather, and not your great-grandfather, but your great-great-grandfather. How many of you could come up here and tell me all about him? His name? Guess how long ago he was alive. You could do the math later. But 50 years ago, 
he lived. And he's family, close family. And you don't even know his name, which means 50 years after you leave this place, nobody's driving down the road, going to a conference saying, oh, thank you so much, great-great-grandmother Jennifer, you know, or whatever your name is, great-great-grandfather John, thank you so much for the wisdom and wealth that you bestowed upon me. Some of you went to college on his money. You don't even know his name. He's family. What are you going to live for? The world? It's going gonna, it's gonna to leave you wanting, depressed, despairing, anxious, can't sleep. If you don't have Jesus, this is as good as it gets. But if you have Jesus, and you have a relationship with Jesus, this is as bad as it will ever be. If you don't have Jesus, this world is your heaven, the place where there's cancer and breakups and heartbreak and, and death. But if you have Jesus, this is your hell. And it's all up and to the right from here. I was... Uh, when I went into vocational ministry, kind of a crazy turn in life. And, and uh, it's interesting because like when I was in the world, you know, it was all, we were always, me and my friends, we'd sit back on the, on the back of a tailgate or in, in the water after a wakeboard session. It was like, I love you, man. I love you too, bro. Hey, one day we're going to backpack through Europe. Yeah, man, it's going to be amazing. One day, you know, but we would just go back to the bar because sin robs you of creativity. You just get stuck doing the same thing over and over and over. And, and then I became a believer, and then five years later, I went into vocational ministry, and now I'm on, in vocational ministry, and like right out the gate, they're like, hey, let's go to Africa, and I'm like, cool, man, what are we going to do there? We're going to teach the government on conflict resolution in Rwanda. I'm like, man, that's amazing. Like, I've seen Hotel Rwanda, like, we're going to teach that, God. like, this is crazy, okay, I'm in, you know, and I'm sitting there with some attorneys, and we're going to go to Africa, to Rwanda, to teach the government on conflict resolution, one of those attorneys, and I'm new in the ministry, one of those attorneys says, hey, uh, uh, I'm going to, I want to stay over and do a safari, like a photo safari, we're not going to kill anything, but we're going to take lots of pictures, anybody want to go, and I'm thinking, I'd love to go, but I'm poor now, so I can't go, but then he says the magic word, uh, the magic phrase. He says, and I'll pay for it. And I'm like, and I'm in, you know. I'll, I'll, I'll carry your bags or whatever. Like, I'll, I'll go. And, and nobody else raised their hand, which was interesting to me. I'm like, why don't they want to go? And so it kind of created some curiosity around the trip. So we go over to Africa, to Rwanda. We, we teach. It's amazing mission trip. And then it's time to go on the safari. But I'm asking questions. I'm like, hey, where are we going to stay? He's like, oh, I bet we'll stay in a tent. And I'm picturing like an REI tent. You know, I don't know. And, and he goes, I'm like, well, what are we going to eat? And he goes, I bet they'll have some food for us. I'm like, that's good because I like food. And, he, and I'm like, well, where, where are we going to shower? And he goes, I think there'll be showers there. I'm like, okay, uh, all right, I'll just, I'm just going to trust you because I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't know. We got on this plane, and we just landed on this dirt runway in the African jungle. And this guy comes over in this Defender, you know, 110, this, like, amazing Jeep. And, and he sets out this spread of, like, coffee and tea and cookies on the on the hood and he takes our bags he puts it in 
in the car, and then we're driving through the jungle. Now, there's no power lines. There's nothing man-made in sight. But there, there's like a herd of giraffe, like elephants on the horizon, zebra everywhere. And then in the distance, I see the king of the jungle just walking. I'm like, what in the world? And we, we're driving, and we, we get to this. There's just a canopy, a thick canopy of trees. And we pull up to it, and there's a gate. It's the first man-made thing I've seen. There's this big gate, and it just opens up like Jurassic Park. Like Jurassic Park, and we drive in. And we're driving under this thick canopy of trees, and then all of a sudden it opens up. And there's this like Four Seasons Ritz-Carlton Resort in the middle of the African jungle. And we, we get out, and, and we're like walking to our room. And, and there's an infinity swimming pool. Right there. And there's a baboon like drinking out of the infinity. I'm like, I know how to catch you, bro. And, uh, and I'm walking to the room. There's warthogs and whatnot, monkeys everywhere. And, and we get to my room, which is a tent, but it has a slate foundation, California king-size bed. They keep it warm for you with hot water bottles. There, there's a, a slate shower in, in the, the background with a granite countertop inside a tent. And, and that night, I lay down. Oh, and there's a restaurant, like a five-star restaurant in the resort. And I lay down at night, first night. And I think, why didn't nobody raise their hand? Why did no one raise their hand? I just thought they didn't know. They didn't know. This guy, this guy, he's talking to Jesus. Jesus gave him the opportunity of a lifetime. He said, follow me. This is an invitation to be like the 13th disciple, someone we name our children after, like John or Matthew or Mark. He says, follow me. But this guy says, no, because I have some stuff. I've got some trinkets and treasures and I, I can't, you know, I don't, I don't want to. But he's talking to the guy with all the stuff. The cattle on a thousand hills belong to Jesus. Jesus is the rich young ruler. And this guy says, I can't follow you. And he missed out on the opportunity of a lifetime. And we don't even know his name. Just three adjectives to describe him. And today, he's no longer rich. He's no longer young, and he's not ruling anything. I hope his little 76 years on earth were really special, because we don't even know his name. He, he's just the guy eternally preserved in the text as someone who didn't go all in. And so in summary, following Jesus is greater than following the rules. Following Jesus means foregoing the world. And those who follow Jesus finish well because we finish with God. God wants to give you something greater than what you have. 
and here's just a picture, because I, I have to think, I think we, as believers, we have to think a lot about eternity. And so maybe you've seen this illustration. I, I honestly, I can't see it enough, because it, it, just, it just reminds me that life on this earth is so short. And so if you imagine this rope is like a timeline, right? And so this is eternity. This is, remember, like here's a thousand years or a hundred years, a thousand years, a billion years. Like this is us in eternity with God, having stored up for ourselves treasures there. And here's the beginning. Let there be light. God created the heavens and the earth. And, and then you kind of move down this. You have Adam and Eve and, and you have Abraham and or you have Noah and Abraham. And over here you've got George Washington and oh, your great-great-grandfather you know whose name you don't remember and then if you see this little pink tape I had to make it bigger than it would be just so you could see it this little pink tape here that's your 76 years your 80 years maybe you do crossfit and eat kale and you get 90 years that's it you you got 90 years that's it that's what you got And, and I'm just saying Remember we said 50 years after this moment, no one even knows your name. They don't care. The only thing that matters is what did you do with Jesus here? When he said, follow me, you said, I'm all in. I'm all in, I will. Like you leave this place. You give up what's holding you back. You can move from a, from a 2 to a 10, from a 5 to a 10, from a 7 to a 10, from a 9 to a 10. 1 John 5.13 says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. You can be confident that you have eternal life because it has nothing to do with what you've done and everything to do with what Jesus did. You can be certain, you can walk in the confidence, I've got tickets because Jesus purchased my tickets. And so it's not a, you know, leave here and do whatever I want to. It's like, I'm going to leave here and I'm going to live a life that matters. I'm going to be weird for Jesus. I'm going to go all in. I'm going to tell people about him. I'm, I'm going to live the dot for the line. Not live the dot for the dot. I'm going to live the dot for the line. And for some of you, that's going to be hard because you're pretty. For some of you, it's going to be hard because your last name matters. Easier for a camel to get to the eye of a needle. Sorry. Right? For those of you, if you're in that place, you just say, God, would you take all of these gifts and all of these talents and would you use them for you? I'm going to pray, and I want you to pray. God, we're coming to you as your children. All the one through nines, Lord, in the power of your Holy Spirit, would you move us to attend? I don't, I don't want to be manipulative. We've got the, the music in the background, and the moment is created, and you don't need any of that. And for the tens, like some of us, some of the, the people here that, that 
may not have inherited eternal life and you see their hearts, I can't. They're the tens because they know that's what the answer is. <laughs> they know. Would you save them? Right now, I just want to give you a space to pray. Just ask him. I mean, you know what's holding you back. You know what you're holding on to. Ask him to take it from you. A terrifying prayer is, Lord, take anything that's distracting me from you. Would you just take it out of my life? Any relationship, any substance, any addiction, any idolatry. Just ask and focus. Don't think about what your neighbor's doing. Think about who's watching you. Right now, it's just like it's just you and God in the room. Like you're the only one. You're sitting in a pew. And it's just you and God. It's you and him. Talk to him. For some of you, it's probably been a while. Talk to him. Keep talking to him. Ignore me. Keep talking to him. Stay focused. Come back to God. Talk to God. Ask him, what do you want him to do in your life? Ask him. Now, right now, I want you to visualize the cross. Do you see Jesus on there? That's a payment. He's been speared in the side. He's bleeding out. He's got a crown of thorns on his head. He's pierced in his feet and in his hands. He's hanging on two sticks of wood on the side of the road. He's humiliated, mocked, scorned, beaten, asphyxiated. That was a payment. Do you see him? I want you to walk up to the tomb three days later. The stone's rolled back, and it's empty. Look inside of it. There's no one there. That is the hope of eternal life that you have through Jesus Christ. What else are you going to live for? Father, would you help us not to live for anything else, even now as we worship you? Thank you for this church, Lord. I pray you bless it. Thank you for the young adult team and for Pastor Eddie, Lord. I pray you bless them. Continue to use them as you have for your glory. In Jesus' name.